Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. John's been here 35 years. Our dad ran it before that. Seems dad had a name for this place. The Beacon. That clip was from an excellent National Film Board short that focused on the grain elevator in 1980, as the era was beginning to come to an end. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you grew up in the prairies through to the 1990s, chances are you remember grain elevators dotting the landscape. While they're quickly disappearing today, they were an important part of the landscape and the health of early communities throughout the Canadian prairie provinces. They go by many names, grain elevators, grain silos, prairie sentinels, and of course prairie skyscrapers. They were how people knew the prosperity of a community. The more grain elevators, the more business moving through that community. And no matter the name, grain elevators all served the same purpose and was one of convenience. When early pioneers harvested their crops, they needed a place to store those crops. They couldn't keep that much grain on their property typically, and this would often involve transporting bushels to the elevator. Sometimes the elevator was close, other times it was far. But by being able to transport the bushels to a central location, the local community began to thrive. Grain elevators were nearly always located next to the railway, and at first, farmers would simply shovel their grain into a two-bushel sack, which were then put on the loading platform along the rail line. The emptying of the sacks was a difficult job and took quite a bit of time. As a result, the grain elevator came to be. The Canadian Pacific Railway began to demand that vehicle warehouses be built, which took advantage of how fluid grain was when the force of gravity was applied to it. Grain elevators were then designed with a belt which had cups and scoops attached. This would load the grain into the elevator so that when trains came through, the valves could open and the grain would fall directly into the grain car. Let's go back to that National Film Board short for a good explanation. Now it all begins with the farmer when he comes in and dumps his grain in the pit down under the elevator. The furthest farmer comes from about 12, maybe 15 miles, and it's all big trucks, 300 bushels or more. And a fellow brings in three, maybe four loads a day. And John, he doesn't just stand there, it's harvest and a lot to be done. He's responsible to about a hundred farmers or more. There's checks to be issued, permit books, quotas to be noted, and in the end he's got to keep track of how much grain he takes in. The grain is elevated by cups on a belt called the leg.
at the top, the grain falls into a funnel-like thing they call the Gerber. The Gerber spout is controlled from the bottom down here. It's uh, connected to it. We have a dial here, and it's numbered according to our bin numbers. And to make sure that it's sitting on the right saucer down there, we have to go up and have a look. Because sometimes she doesn't work all the time, and it gets out of place a little bit, and you probably think you have uh, the number nine bin, and you're probably on number eight. And you could run into a problem there. To accommodate the growing need for grain elevators, the CPR began to offer free land rentals to encourage companies to build elevators that could hold 25,000 bushels, with belts powered by steam or gasoline. Before long, hundreds of elevators started to pop up along the rail lines of the prairies. The first companies to take advantage of the railway offer for free rental land were flour milling companies. Many companies were set up including the National Elevator Company, the Searle Grain Company, and cooperatives run by local farmers, including the Grain Growers Grain Company. Eventually, wheat pools were set up in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta, beginning in 1924. Going back a bit, the first grain elevator in Canada was built by William Hespeller in Manitoba in 1879, and it was a simple wood silo building and did not look much like the elevators we know today. In 1881, the Ogilvy Milling Company built a 25,000 bushel elevator in Gretna, Manitoba, which followed the more traditional look of the elevators we know today. For many years, 25 bushels was the limit for an elevator, but by the 1920s, 30,000 and 40,000 bushel elevators were being built, often measuring 24 meters in height. Annexes would help add additional storage capacity, with most annexes providing an additional 30 to 35,000 bushels of storage. Alberta would see its first grain elevator at Strathcona in 1895, and the last traditional wooden elevator would be built in that province in 1985. At the turn of the 20th century, there were 447 elevators in Western Canada, and the Canadian Pacific Railway, under William Van Horn, developed the plan to construct country elevators every 12 to 16 kilometers along the route, providing farmers with easy access for distributing grain. This would have an explosive impact on elevators and their growth. Alberta would have 43 elevators in 1906, and that would jump to 109 in 1908, and then 229 in 1909, and by 1912 there were 279. The peak for the western provinces was reached in 1935 when there were 5,758 elevators, containing a capacity of 189.9 million bushels. With so many elevators, larger concrete terminal elevators were developed by the CPR, which would hold an immense amount of grain. The first were developed around Fort William and Port Arthur, Ontario, later to be called Thunder Bay, in 1883 and 1884. The increase in grain production meant that the places without much farmland saw grain elevators pop up. Montreal would have two wooden CPR elevators built in 1887, and by 1918, Montreal was the largest grain port in North America. From the moment the first shipment of wheat left Winnipeg in 1885 for Montreal, that port would see immense growth. The Prairie Provinces would become the breadbasket of the British Empire during the First World War, and the advent of the grain elevator would help more and more people begin to farm. In 1901, 2.5 million acres of wheat was farmed. 
This would increase to 9.9 million in 1911, and 19.3 million in 1921, and 25.5 million in 1931. Thanks to the grain elevators of Canada, an immense system of commerce sprang up. Stephen Leacock, a political scientist and humorist, would state of this system, a huge network complicated in its outline and ratifying in its relations, spread out from the head of the lakes to the confines of the grain country. You can view it as either a thing of beauty or of horror, a work of God or the devil, according to the minds you have, but at least it was intricate. The grain elevator was also admired by architects, including those from Europe who saw beauty in its simplicity. Walter Gropius, an architect from Germany, would state, the grain elevators of Canada are almost as impressive in their monumental power as the buildings of ancient Egypt. Sir Barry Jackson, a theatre director from England, would see the pride the Canadians took in the elevators and hoped it would apply to other areas of the culture. He would state that he wished that Canadian cities would take as much pride in their theatres as they did in their grain elevators. Other views of the elevator took on a different take. Mark Abley, a Canadian poet who travelled the prairies, would state, the standard comparison likes an elevator to a sentinel, but I had decided after thousands of miles and hundreds of grain elevators that they resemble great monopoly hotels and act like medieval churches, dominating, identifying, and justifying the villages in their dusty shade. The federal government celebrated the grain elevator as an important part of our heritage. From 1954 to 1967, the Canadian dollar bill featured a grain elevator in the distance. At the same time, many stamps have had grain elevators on them, including the 1930 20-cent stamp that showed grain harvesting with three elevators in the background. In 1942, stamps that showed war activities also had one that depicted a ship in the Great Lakes being loaded with grain at an elevator. In 1935, the National Gallery of Canada sponsored a cross-country lecture tour of John Vanderpan, a photographer who specialized in pictures of grain elevators and most of his talks focused on grain elevators themselves. In the 1937 Paris exhibition, in the building to represent Canada, there was a model terminal grain elevator with six silos placed next to an entrance labeled in large letters, Canada. The building, which also looked like a concrete grain elevator, was designed by Emilio Brunet, who wanted to show Canada as the greatest individual exporter of wheat. Now we all know what's coming. Despite our love for the image of the grain elevator, before long, things began to change. In the 1930s, the Great Depression hit and this led to a rural depopulation that caused several communities to disappear. By the 1950s, the road system of the prairies was improving, and while the primary elevator system was still stable, fewer people worked larger farms, and the smaller branch lines of the railway were less profitable. This meant elevators began to disappear from many rural communities. An excellent example of this was in 1996 in Inglis, Manitoba, when it shut down its elevators, something that was difficult for the community to do, as this clip from CBC shows. On a cold winter afternoon, the last load of grain ever to come out of an elevator in Inglis, Manitoba is ready to hit the road. That'll do her. The final papers are signed, and a 73-year-old tradition in this town comes to an end. That's the last load. Right, clean right out here. We're just doing our final bookwork. Inside, a final audit is done, the last official act. The people who work here wonder what's next for Inglis. 
kind of takes a lot of people away from this town that will probably do their shopping other other places and it kind of slowly kills the town. Kind of a sad day for Inglis. All the farmers would come in. This was a meeting place for the farmers. And it's gone. There's going to be a lot more of them. Rail companies began to seek permission to abandon these lines, and with them the grain elevators that sat along them. By the 1990s, elevators were either being torn down or bought by producers for their own personal storage. Others would burn down or be preserved, as has happened in places like Spruce Grove, Alberta, Leduc, Alberta, and Hazlet, Saskatchewan, among many others. As for Inglis, Manitoba, well, they still have that row of five elevators that have been designated as a National Historic Site. Today, those elevators are safe, but that was not always the case. So let's go back to that CBC News story from 1996 and the efforts of the community to save the elevators. If I didn't see the elevators, um, it, would, it would feel like driving into a different town. There are monuments to, to um, Western Canada. Marcy Rowett wants to save Inglis's elevators. Historians say they are the only remaining block of four left in Manitoba, one of the last in the country. The Federal Minister of Heritage is deciding if the elevators should be designated as a National Historic Site. Our goal is, is to restore um, four so that at least they're in um, safe standing condition and uh, look at possibly restoring one to an operating museum. The cluster of four elevators makes Inglis unique. It's also a curse. Restoring and preserving them will cost money, money the town doesn't have. Oh, it's uh, almost impossible. We need uh, a lot of help from the government sources. There's no way we could do it on our own. We had an estimate that to side an elevator costs approximately $70,000. Being four of them that we want to preserve, uh, therefore the costs are quadrupled. At the Inglis Hockey Arena, some wonder if it's worth it. They're not worth anything. It costs a lot of money to upkeep them. And furthermore than that, people are paying too much taxes on the farms as it is. And I say go. It'll cost quite a bit because if you notice out there, three of them are already leaning and, and there's the wood's been there a long time and they deteriorated pretty bad, like the paint's falling off. I don't know if it's possible for just the town of Inglis to be looking at raising that money. Um, we're seeing this as an area project. It's something that can benefit the entire area as a whole uh, with tourism development, etc. So we're hoping that the out outer lane communities will take hold of the concept of, of um, restoring the elevators. Today, those prairie sentinels that numbered in the thousands are an endangered species, with only a few hundred left, and fewer lasting with each passing year. So as you drive the prairies, if you see a grain elevator in the distance, stop by, take a picture, and preserve it for future generations to see. Information comes from Wikipedia, the Canadian Encyclopedia, the rise and fall of the grain elevator as a Canadian symbol, a history of grain elevators in Manitoba, Alberta's grain elevators, CBC Archives, and the National Film Board. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Canadian History X, and if you did, please give a rating and review. You can reach me at my email, CanadianHistoryX at gmail.com, and remember, that's E-H-X. You can also visit my website to see hundreds of articles on Canada's history at CanadaX, again, ehx.blogspot.ca.